Hey everyone, welcome to Pretty Good Flick. I'm Ant Muni, here today with Mauro Monreal. Man, I think we got a pretty good episode today. What do you think? I think so too. I'm really excited. I was excited to see your reaction when we first started discussing this and decided we wanted to uh, really get a grasp on this one today. Um, the topic today is one that I'm excited to dig into because we talk about film phenomenon like cult classics, um, you know, guilty pleasures, chick flicks. A lot of movies can be kind of lumped together in little subgenres and stuff, not just a drama, comedy, horror, whatever. But uh, you look at these little pockets of movies and how they kind of exist on their own. Um, but before we get into the topic, because I'm really, like I said, we're really excited to get into it. Um, I wanted to try something new today, um, something that I'd like to have kind of a recurring segment, a little, you know, into the main topic. Um, but today, before we do our dive into our topic, I want to introduce a new segment called Today in Movie History. You see this a lot, uh, on, on a lot of listicles and stuff. I think they do it on YouTube a lot or if you're going Wikipedia, they have that little sidebar on the landing page where it's like, today in history, you know, King yeah. Edward, King Edward was born. And you're like, oh, that's that's crazy. Anyway. Trivia knowledge. Tri yeah. Factoids, yeah. trivia. Yeah, we love some trivia. Factoids, exactly. So I actually was really excited when I started to dig into this uh, and do a little research to see what movie came out. Well, you did you know that on this day, 1995, Wonderful year, by the way. But on this day, 1995, the cinematic masterpiece known as Twister, starring Helen Hunt and the king, may he rest in peace, Bill Paxton, ripped through theaters. I fucking love this movie. And I know we've talked about it before. I love this movie. And it has one of my favorite scenes in all of moviedom. And it's a food scene. And you guys know what I'm talking about. It's the steak scene. The steak scene where he they go to the aunt's house. By the way, whose house blows away later in the movie? You have no idea what happens to her. But uh, it takes the steak too. Oh, it takes the cows, everything. <laughs> but it's steak with mashed potatoes and gravy and eggs. And we got some knowledge from our producer not too long ago that that scene is recreated on YouTube mm -hmm. all the time. I'm pretty sure on TikTok and Instagram because yeah. it's such a foodie scene, yeah. and I love it. I Steak and egg for breakfast with mashed potatoes and gravy. It's like its own food group. Something Chloe. very Americana. Something yeah. very Americana about it. Um, yeah, I was very surprised to learn that um, people like lovingly reproduce this this recipe. Like it's a whole, a whole. This is what it's all about: is opening people up to new subcultures they didn't even know about. Like it's just this one scene in the movie that came yeah. out in 1995. People are rewatching. They're like, I, I want to make that steak and egg. Look, I just thought about this. You brought up in one of your essential films. Goodfellas, that scene where there's you know shaving the garlic down and there you got red wine or white wine open both bottles that's a foodie scene and people recreate that scene and i feel like twister is up there yeah. I, i'm not saying the movie twister is as good as goodfellas yeah. but it's up there that scene yeah it's funny because i don't remember much about the movie and the, and you have this specific scene in this movie that means so much oh, to yeah. you you know i do remember seeing it in theaters uh, I was only five, you know, so it was a little odd to go and see this big disaster movie um, at five years old, especially because stuff like that, it's going to be scary, you know? Um, I remember being a kid and thinking, like, mm, a tornado's going to come get it. There's never, I don't think there's ever been a recorded tornado in New Jersey history, or if it was, it, it, you yeah. know, it's just a little fart. <laughs> that, that's coming. It's coming. Um, but I saw it in theaters, 
And I was floored by the experience, though, like not so much the story, but I was blown away, no pun intended, by the spectacle. It was just it was a movie made for theaters, you know, yeah. uh, with the sound shaking, the ground shaking under you with the, the, the subwoofers and everything. Didn't really stick the landing on the VHS release, though. No, it all depends. It was okay. very, I had a, uh, or my uncle had a really big, again, that big flat screen that the had rear yeah, projector. Giant, six guys to yeah. move it upstairs. So, and he was big into like surround sound, even like in the late nineties. Cool. So we had that movie and it was a great, it made everything shake. Okay. Like he fucking turned up the bass and we felt it. Nice. So you had a different experience. Yeah, we were watching exactly. like a little 12 inch tube TV oh. and yeah. Twister comes up. Like, That's it. It's just. Yeah. yeah that that, must that was it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I really like that movie. Yeah, especially too though, because you had to wait so long for movies to come out on VHS back yeah. in the day. Nowadays, for digital releases and Blu-ray releases, it's sometimes it's immediate, it's the same day it drops in theaters, or at worst, what do you have to wait three months for a movie to come out on DVD yeah. or Blu-ray or 4K now or whatever? Streaming um, now has changed the whole game, and you know, HBO. I watched Jackass recently, and it was literally. I didn't even realize it was on Paramount yeah. until like I saw an ad for it. I was like, oh, yeah. shit, I could just watch it now. Just watch it in the comfort of my own home. Jackass Forever, it's not even been, what, it came out less than three months ago, right? Yeah. Four months ago? Yeah. It's it's so crazy, but you really had to be patient. Like if you wanted to see, if you saw a movie in theaters yeah. and it was no longer in theaters and you really wanted to rewatch it, you, you fill that time doing something, focus on school or Go learn a new hobby or something because you weren't you weren't watching it for at least a year. It's like the the transition between a hardcover book and a and its paperback version. It's usually at minimum eighteen months, you know. And it was yeah. like that with movies too, you know. Um, I'm not a reader. I kind of <laughs> understood that. Yeah. Well, a book is. No, I'm kidding. Well, yeah. So that is today in movie history. Twister. Go back and rewatch it. I might. I might rewatch. If I could find it anywhere, I'll revisit it. At, at least for that food scene. Maybe I will look that up on YouTube because. You know. Yeah, but you're a vegetarian. That doesn't mean that it's I like can't. Torture. No, have you ever played? Uh, I'm gonna go video game nerd for a second here. Anybody who's played Final Fantasy 15, like that's some Jesus good looking Christ. food. They're making like, or even in the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you know, you're making the skewers and the soup and the stew, and it looks good. I'm not gonna lie, it looks good. How they make the food look better in a game than in real life. Some wizards out there, <laughs> but that's today. Today in movie history. Are you ready to move on to our main topic? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. I'm well, excited. I was really excited about this topic. It's something we've talked about. My wife suggested it, which was funny, and it, I, we hardly hear it anywhere. So, Yeah, like like we said at the top, it's something that um, you'll hear us mention a few movies, and you'll hear us describe why we're talking about them today, and you'll say, you know, yeah, I can see, or you'll, I can see how it fits in that mold, or I can think of a few right off the bat. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, this is a movie that I've seen that I... I can definitely attribute to this this phenomenon. But uh, main topic today, have you ever sat through a movie and you enjoyed yourself, right? The performances, the plot, setting, for all intents and purposes, it was a good or even a great movie. But because of something, you won't or don't plan to ever watch it again. Just something. Could have been anything. But there was something about it. Really hit you in a weird way. Hit you in the gut. Yeah. I'm talking trauma, drama, downright terror, or in at least one example, style over substance. Uh, it's a good movie, but watching it once is enough. What do we call these, Marl? One and done. One and done it is. 
Uh, we've compiled a few of our picks for this category and can't wait to get into why they made the cut. So, Mauro, uh, I'll let you start. My big thing is emotion, like the way they've, they've affected me. You know, like there's a lot of people will watch a movie they don't like and they're like, okay, it's easy never to watch it again. But a movie that like, like makes you cry or makes you scared or makes you anxious throughout the movie or like really like gives you this existential crisis like this next movie is those movies stick with you forever but it, it's not necessary to relive that emotion yeah so um, something that really takes the takes the, the wind right out of yeah, you yeah yeah and then my first movie is uh blue valentine okay it's a movie with uh ryan gosling and it, it was such a hard watch in the beginning because it's it's the movie about this couple that meet each other and they have like this beautiful experience, like early relationship and stuff and getting to know each other. And the wife goes through this tragic event, but the guy sticks with her. Ryan Gosling is the boyfriend and the guy, he sticks with her throughout this, throughout their lives. And she becomes a nurse and he becomes like a construction worker, like a painter. And you kind of see how their lives take this weird um, turn that I feel like a lot of us go through, but nobody wants to admit. It's like, it goes from like a hopeful to I'm not happy anymore. And it was very real. It's very gritty. And it's it's filmed really well, too. The actors are amazing. But um, like you you stop at a certain point in a relationship or in your life and you think back, how did I, which, yeah, which path I did I take, here. you know, what decision did I make or not make that led me to where I'm at? Yeah. And then it shows really of like one person's complacency and the other person's like almost disgust of that complacency. Mm. And that's what happens. Like the male character, he's, he's kind of like, well, we're, we're living, we're happy. We have our kids and like, everything should be okay. And the, the wife in the situation is so unhappy and wants to move on and doesn't know how. And they try so hard to make it work. And it it's really sad of how realistic it is. Causes you to reflect on your yeah. own life and your own relationships. And then you start thinking, you're like, yeah. uh, any red flags here? Anything yeah. I need to be worried about my own life? So No, yeah. and then I watched it with my then girlfriend, now wife. And you kind of, we're just, you're just looking at each other like, what the? like is this gonna be us and it's it's weird because they they make them they don't look different but they look older and you can tell like they look weathered Mm. like he's losing his hair and they do such a good job with makeup to the point where it's like oh i could imagine like if ryan gosling lived a hard life that's what he would look like right just that extra touch that really made it it. done so well but it's it's a movie that i watched once and i never had to watch again specifically because it was like a scary it's scary in the sense of like that's where your life could go if you become complacent and or if you're not honest because I feel like that was one of the big things the female character didn't do she wasn't honest with him when she was unhappy she just kind of let it go until the very end where like she blows up Hmm. and you gotta communicate people you gotta communicate and it's it's fucking it's scary it's almost scary but it's also a good movie hold up but that's a good pick. Yeah. Um, definitely. You got to communicate, like I said, but um, for me, 
I'm going to go way the other direction. Uh, you're, you're exploring ideas of uh, grief and, you know, what might have been and how did we, how did we get to this point? Um, I'm going pure body horror. Like this is a weird oh. one. Yeah. And you know, like, you know me, uh, I love horror movies. I do like body horror, but it's such a thin line between what I enjoy and what's truly disgusting to me. And it's, it's incredibly difficult to describe sometimes. Like I have to watch something and say, Oh, I'm really into this. Like it had elements of body horror where, you know, somebody's mutated into something else like this thing. Yeah. Pure top tier grade a body horror. All the practical effects, everything looks great. It's repulsive, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then there's Tusk. <laughs> Tusk falls into the latter category where, um, if you're not aware, it's um, a podcaster. Hey, oh man, that's a meta for you. Uh, it's a he's like a really arrogant guy. He is like a shock jock kind of podcaster. Think oh, Daniel okay. Stern, or not Daniel Stern. That's the guy from Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> we hate Home Alone here. Um, Howard Stern, where he kind of they he's got his co-host and they get people on the lines and they, they just roll. They poke fun at him and yeah. everything. Um, it's Justin Long who plays the main character. He's a podcaster who gets a uh, like a tip about somebody he wanted to interview or some weird kind of reclusive person up in it's all in Canada. So he drives way out of his way to go find this guy and to interview him. And things don't go well at all. Things don't go as he planned. Um this guy has a real fondness for walruses, we come to find. So, spoiler alert, think it should be go, you know, should go without saying at this point, but um, it is truly disturbing in the weirdest way. So, Justin Long's character kind of gets there and he's talking to this reclusive, mysterious guy. He's all excited to have this scoop, this interview. He's like, this is going to be great. I'm going to troll the shit out of this guy. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. Um, but he only goes by himself. Mistake number one. Yeah, that's the I, first mistake. Like you, I'm dropping you a pin of my location. You've got my backups. I'm going to go out and buy a pager just to get, I'm going to get AirPod or not AirPod, AirTags. Like that's on the bottom of my yeah. car. You know where a I'm at. Flare gun, something. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, flare gun. Yep. Um, so he goes up there by himself and um, I'm just going to go right into it. But he is basically abducted, or, you know, held hostage by this man. And the first thing that happens is they're having dinner together and he is talking to him. He's kind of feeling him out for exactly how far he can push. Cause that's what a troll will do. A really good yeah. troll will make you feel like you're just having a conversation and learn. They're kind of poking at the edges to see how far they can go and just how far they can press you before you know they find their buttons to push to really yeah. set you off. And before he can even get into the interview, he gets sick. The food, the drink, something like that. He passes out. He, he's knocked out. He comes to and I give you, I give you, I give you a chance here to answer. Uh, what body part do you think he's missing? Penis. You'd think so. Pretty scary. I would yeah. hate to wake up and not have my penis any longer. No, he is missing the bottom of his leg from his knee down. Gone. And of course, you wake up and you'd be, what, what the hell's going on? You know, obviously very confused. Uh, come to find out as we go through the movie. The man, the reclusive man, he says, oh, you know, you fell over, you broke your leg or you cut your leg, you had a gash, there's an infection. I don't know, whatever it was at this point, but I had to cut your leg off to save your life. I had to cut your leg off from the knee, off, from the knee down. Um, all bullshit, of course, and it just keeps moving on from there. Now, Justin Long's character is stuck with this man. He's, he's in a wheelchair. He's got no way to drive. He's got no way to get out. And the it just spirals out of control from there. To lead to the ultimate conclusion, 
that the man, the mysterious mystery man, is basically turning Justin Long into a human walrus hybrid. And I'm not being like cheeky about it. It is truly disgusting. He is, he fuses his legs together into like a tail. He gives him actual tusks. He shaves all of his, almost all of his body hair is gone. And it's just so bizarre because you're kind of watching little snippets of it as it's happening. You see the blueprints on the wall of like what it looks like to fuse yeah. the legs together. You see just a little, you know, frame of him kind of like sewing and stitching body parts and things like that. And you don't actually see what he looks like in his full walrus transformation until almost 20 minutes to the end of the movie, like almost the very end of the movie. And it's fucking disgusting. Like I will not watch this movie again because it's so gross to look at. Um, Very funny. It's very weird. It's like, I would categorize it as a black comedy, very dark humor, um, but body horror with, within it. And it's just so gross that I can't sit down and watch it again. Is it an American film? Uh, I mean, it's difficult to say it's set in Canada. It's a Kevin Smith movie. Jesus Christ. So it, it it's supposed to be one of three movies in a trilogy, like an unofficial Canada trilogy that he was trying to make, which would have been Tusk is the first one. Yoga Hosers, which I've, I'm aware of. I think it's still on Netflix. I've never seen it. I've heard horrible things about it. And then the third one I was really excited about still has yet to be made, but it was called um, Moose. It was basically about a gigantic moose wandering the wilderness of Canada and uh, just wreaking havoc on villagers and people. I was excited about this. It still hasn't come out, though. Jesus Christ. Kevin Smith, if you're listening, re- release release Moose. Yeah, for Anthony, not for me. But for Anthony, no, yeah. Give me another James Allen Like, Give me mm, another movie. Maybe not. I, I will take it. <laughs> but no, movies like that, oh, they're, they're so fucking cringy. What am I, my next movie is you know, along that genre, but staying on topic of Tusk, I, it's such a hard watch for me, especially those body horror ones. It's like, like the human centipede and shit like that. God, it's so hard to even like watch clips of it. And it has a lot of elements like that. Like I said, with yeah. the stitching and you kind of get those oh, quick cuts oh, of like the whole yeah. procedure, the surgery and everything. And, and, but it, unlike human centipede though, there's nothing that's 100, quote unquote, 100% medically accurate. You remember that was like the tagline for the human centipede. Yeah, I guess. Like pitching it as that. This is, this is crazy. It was gross. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's such a, and the ending, you know, just to just to kind of put a put a period at the end of the sentence, it is another one of those gut punches where, um, you know, as all this is happening and he's being held, you know, captive by this, this psychopath, his podcast co-host and his girlfriend are looking for him. They do find him. And he does survive. But he survives as a walrus. <laughs> they put him in a zoo. And that's his fate is to just be this monstrosity it's just so bizarre oh shoot me yeah i i think so man yeah i think that is my official answer if i'm ever turned into a walrus and i survive just put me down put me down yeah all right well i guess we're talking about weird body stuff yeah i'm gonna go to i think a lot of people like these movies or they watch them they've made a lot of them and i i can't i watched the third one in theaters, I was 15 years old. I think it was 2006, maybe early 2007. When you, jumped I right, you jumped right into the series at three. You had never seen any of the prior ones. No, I hadn't seen any of the prior ones. Um, I'm not a horror movie guy. And 
I like like the funny horror movies like It and Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that. But yeah, I can't. I, I always crack up when you know when the child gets his arm ripped off in the sewer at It. Yeah, that's top tier comedy. It's still, it's like it's it's fake. It's, Jokes. Yeah, it's not fucking. It not it could not be real. <laughs> so the movie I'm talking about is Saw Three. And Jesus Christ, did that movie scare me? And I thought it was so gross, though. Like, there's so many scenes in that movie. You've seen Saw. This is not. This doesn't need an explanation. And I really think they're like the kings of body horror right now. And like, they're like mainstream body horror. Because I don't feel like Tusk was mainstream. No, like, but Saw was human huge. Human centipede was not mainstream. No. Well, no, it um, was kind of that cult. Like it, the yeah. word spread, and it was one of those. Um, if you're was, into horror. Yeah, but I think it was one of those endurance test kind of movies. Like, I feel as yeah. though Hostel was the same way, too. Like, I remember seeing Hostel, um, which also, along with Saw, kind of kickstarted the whole torture porn, yeah. you know, subgenre. Um, it was very much an endurance test. Like, can you sit through Did you see this movie? Can you yeah, sit through it all I, the way? Yeah. I can't do that. And I feel like Saw, like, I could never watch Tusk because Saw is enough for me. And I remember seeing that movie going home terrified. And, like, I didn't want to go to sleep. And I was like, yo, chick's all gonna get you. yeah, that, that chick with the pig head. Yeah. And I was like, fuck no. And then even when he dies at the end and then the, it, the whole movie is just too much. Do you remember now? I don't, I don't, they all blend in with one another after a while. What were some of the traps in the third one? So it starts is off. Is there anything that really like that sticks out of your mind that really disgusted you as far as the, because some of those traps were absolutely brutal. And yeah. a lot of them were based on real life medieval like torture methods or foreign torture methods it starts off the first one is this guy who's got he's like pierced all over his body with chains Mm -hmm. and he's just like hung up on a wall um or hung up in the middle of a room and he has to get this key before before a bomb explodes and he in the beginning he's ripping chains like all these piercings out but they're like these thick you know quarter inch yeah. chain or some shit like that and he's got to rip them out and like there's one on his bottom lip and he's got to rip it off and then he gets to the bomb and he can't defuse it and he dies and that's how the movie starts off and so very much like a yeah very you know, you know what you're in for right yeah away. And so then, so if i'm ever a walrus just just shoot me if i ever have to rip piercings out of my body i'll just just let the just let the bomb explode yeah and what the, kind of life is that afterwards <laughs> but the thing is like i remember there was one the scary thing is, is it's all about this guy whose kid dies and he he like blames all these people and it's the guy who who he the kid gets i think run over or dies in a car accident the last guy is the guy who was driving the car Mm. And he only got like eight months in jail, and he's rigged to the to this shotgun. He's got to pull this key out of somewhere, and if he doesn't, he's gonna blow the guy's face off. And he fucking does it in the end, and it's like not even. It's like this really sad situation that he's in, and the wife is involved because they're having problems. She's got this bomb strapped around her neck, which is like classic jigsaw, and she dies, and it turns Everyone out, dies. yeah, but it turns out. That most so there's this female character who's got this pig head on and she's capturing these people. And then you realize she's she's, she's um like his protege. Yeah. Because yeah. she lived through one of the I think she lived she through the second the, movie. Yeah. And she becomes like Jigsaw. The only problem is 
is that she's not playing the game fair. Mm. So there's like, you find out with the first guy, she welds the door shut. Mm. So even if he disarmed the bomb, he was never going to make it out. Nice. And she does that to all her victims. And it's like, you're just killing them. You're not giving them a chance to learn, which is still fucking psychotic to me. And I was terrified. I was like, oh, am I going to, which one am I going to get? Am I going to get the one that wants to teach me something? Or am I going to get the one that fucking just wants to kill me? Yeah. Anytime you walk into a new room, you kind of already know where the exit is. Yeah, no, I had to check behind my door everywhere I went for like a week. And I was a 15-year-old kid. I was like, are you kidding me? So. Yeah, um, don't like body horror. Dude. No, yeah, that's like I said, very much an endurance test type of movie. You gotta, you know, like a badge. Some people wear them like a badge of honor. Yeah, man, I sat through Hostel. I sat through Saw. Yeah, I don't. Um, my next one is an unusual one. Uh, I I'm just gonna say flat out, I don't understand the hype. I was it was a movie that I watched, and as soon as it was over, I went online to see you watch and you're so outraged by something or so frustrated with something, maybe just to get some answers. Like what's going on? You know, what did I watch? Did I miss something integral to the plot? Did I look away at the wrong, did I scroll on my phone for a second? Cause it was like getting so, slow for a beat. So shocking to me. Go ahead. I fucking hated mother. Hated, hated, hated it. It was, I think that it set out to do exactly what it wanted to do. It was such a panic-inducing experience to go into this movie not knowing anything about it. Because I will say, the one thing that I saw as a common thread with people's complaints about this movie is that the trailer was very misleading. I remember seeing the trailer before it came out in theaters, because I watched it at home. Um, so I, you know, my wife and I, if we don't catch it in theaters, great to watch it at home. You can pause it, talk shit about it. Uh, you know, we like to point out things, say, oh, look, there's a shadow back there. You think there's what's going on, you know, uh, we like to guess the twist. You know, it's, that's a little that's our point of honor. Our point of pride is to guess the twist. But we watched Mother at Home and it was just such a, like I said, panic inducing experience yeah. where we went into it not knowing anything other than the fact that the trailer made it look like a horror movie. And we're like, OK, we're on board. Had a great cast. Incredible cast, Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem. Yeah. I mean, my God. Um, and again, I think that it, Darren Aronofsky, this is just textbook, his style. Yes. Yeah. These, these movies that, you know, we probably do a whole episode on his movies because they're all one and nones. I've never rewatched Requiem for a Dream. I have no interest in rewatching Black Swan. You know, The Wrestler. I think we spoke about that one before. I think that oh, was yeah. him, right? Yeah. Extreme, so depressing. You know? Yeah. They're tough watches. Black yeah. Swan. I only watched it. I think I watched it in theaters too. No, but um, for those unfamiliar with Mother, dropped in 2017, I think. So it's been a couple of years now, but it it just drops you into the story of um, a man, you know, husband and a wife, and uh, and they're in a house, kind of in a field. They're very isolated, and the woman is just being gaslit. Yeah, the whole movie. You know, they're a young couple. They're talking about having a family. They've got this big, beautiful house, but there's no, there's no view into the world beyond their home. And some guests arrive, unannounced, unexpected guests arrive, and the wife is very much like, you know, on guard. I don't know these people. I don't know what they need. I don't know what they want from us. You know, and the husband's like, no, come on in. Just yeah, yeah, come on, yeah. shack up with us for a bit. You know. So you can see immediately, and, and I can only imagine from a woman's point of view, I know talking to my wife about it when we watched it, extremely frustrating. Even I watching it was extremely frustrated with the gaslighting and the 
um, you know, the neglect and the abuse emotional that this woman had to go through where, you know, every step of the way, the husband's like, no, it's not a big deal. No, no. And more people start to arrive and she's just so confused about what's happening. And then I was confused too, you know, um, supposedly, or maybe not supposedly the movie itself is supposed to be all the books of the Bible. It's supposed to be, you know, Genesis. There's a character who, one of the unannounced guests who comes to the home, there's a very quick little scene after a dinner they have, they're eating, they're drinking. The husband who's played by Javier Bardem is helping the, um, helping the, the male guest who arrived. Yeah. He's at, his head is in the toilet. He's vomiting. Javier Bar Bardem is helping him. And you assume, okay, you just had a little too much to drink, a little too much to eat, party a little too hard. And he's just being a good host by kind of caring for him. The man's got a wound on his, he's got no shirt on, and he's got a wound on his side, on, his, on the side of his torso. This was supposed to be the rib that God, you know, used to create Eve. And then, you know, a woman arrives and you're supposed to think, okay, this is Eve. And they yeah. just go almost beat by beat through all the stories of the Bible. And that's very ambitious, but it's so dense. The movie is so dense and it's the, the pacing after about the, about the 30, 45 minute mark is breakneck. I just insane and truly, truly disturbing. There's one scene in particular towards the end um, that if you've seen the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about, but really just over the top. I don't want to ever experience it again. As I said, if that's what he was out, the director and the creator was out to, uh, to, to accomplish, I think they did so. But I don't know. Just, if you make a movie, you think people, hey, I want to watch that movie again. You know, yeah. <laughs> let me buy the DVD. DVD sales plummeted for mother. <laughs> oh yeah. No, well it was on, I remember I watched parts of it. I didn't want to watch the whole thing. Cause again, it, it was like very oh, anxiety and yeah. shit. But my wife watched it and we watched it on Hulu. It was like out right away on Hulu. And was it? yeah, it was, I'm pretty sure it was Hulu. And um, I heard like the theories that we read was the movies based on the environment. Yep. You, it, you yeah, can see so that it's too. Like, yeah. like what the baby, like what happens to the baby in the movie. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. <laughs> like they, they're passing her baby around and she's freaking out. And at the end, the baby seems to be smothered. And it's like what they're doing to like yeah. the intruders coming into like stealing Mother Earth's child yeah. and stuff like that. It's like the wife was supposed to be Earth, yeah, and the husband was supposed to be God, yeah, and all the people, all the uninvited guests would have been humans colonizing and expanding and destroying the yeah, yeah, and they, it, like, it fuck works with her house yep. and none of her rules apply and stuff. Yep. So that movie is one of those movies that like it it hit home for a lot of people and it it didn't hit a good place like. It, it hit parts of people's lives, like you said, like women being gaslit and stuff like that. It is not, there's no humor in that movie whatsoever. No. Like no funny looking walrus monster. Or Very like, dour. The whole yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, like I said, though, I was just so surprised to see how many people really, really had great glowing things to say about it. Because like I said, as a movie, I think the set design was fantastic. I think the performances are really good. The cast, like I said, is top notch. Um, fuck that movie. I will, I We'll never willingly watch that movie again. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a crazy movie to watch. And it's not that short either. Who wants to spend two and a half hours just being miserable? <laughs> well, it, it's like what I was saying. About Unless you're, those, I guess if you're a Padres fan. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, when you went, they won. So let's be real. Yeah. But no, it's like my point of view of like horror movies is like, why do you want to be terrified all the time? Like, 
I can't be scared all the time. I want to laugh. I want to see action. I want to feel like the hero. But there is something about that movie that was like, I couldn't watch the whole movie. I had to like jump in and watch it almost like I do with horror movies. It's like, I got to watch clips of them and uh, this is getting too much. And I walk away before it does something to me. So good choice. Great choice. Um, my next one is going to be a documentary. Now, we haven't really touched on documentaries. I think we'll have a segment about that. Absolutely. Because um, we both like them. We both watch them a lot. Sure. So that's something we have in common. This documentary, though, was, like, very real, very, like, um, uh, it's called The Bridge, and it's about all the suicides of the Golden Gate Bridge. Not all of them, but it's about a bunch of suicides of the Golden Gate Bridge. And it was filmed um, with like a secret camera and stuff like that. And they were catching people jumping off the bridge and people were trying to understand why that place, one of the most famous places to commit suicide. And I love San Francisco. I love big cities. And San Francisco is one of the cities in California where I would love to go visit. And I love walking across the Golden Gate Bridge. And if you ever walk across that bridge, there is this weird feeling that people get where it's like you look over and it's like, I wonder if I could make it. The fall in the void. Yeah, it's terrifying though. Like, and I'm scared of heights. Yeah. It's, so, it's something to be said. I think the, the idea is that um, when you get that, that call of the void when you're at the top of a staircase or at the top of a building on a roof or something like a bridge, um, you are afraid to jump because yeah. you know that you could you know i've kind of heard yeah. that explained before you know it's not it's something you're 100 in control of and there's this very specific person who survives jumping off the golden bridge mm-hmm. which hasn't been done i i think the movie explains like he might be the only one yeah i i have to imagine because what i'm sure a lot of people realize now that you know mental health talking about mental health is you know obviously spreading and yeah. becoming more commonplace which is great it's fantastic we're big advocates for mental health wellness. Um, people do survive suicide attempts from from yeah. bridges, uh, buildings. But when you're jumping off a bridge over uh, a body of water and us living in San Diego, Coronado Bridge is unfortunately yeah, it's a, big a spot where it, it happens quite often, more often than we'd like to you know, think about it happening. But water just turns into cement from that height. When yeah. you jump from any distance that high, the water is just like cement. So it's just like jumping from the top of a building onto the street below. There's yeah, and this guy, this guy talks about it, and he goes, it's very sad, I think he was 19 years old, young man, and he was just going through it in life, and he jumps off the bridge, and he goes, immediately when I jumped over, he goes, even before my foot left the bridge itself, like, I regretted it, I didn't want to die anymore, and then I, he did this thing where he was falling, obviously, you jump, and you start falling face forward, and he, like, forced his body to turn around, and he hits the water with his feet first and it shattered every bone from his toes up to his hip and like broke ribs and parts of his vertebrae and stuff like that. He can never walk again. And he was all messed up and he's like, I'm, I'm happy that I lived and I appreciate life now, but there's that very real feeling of like, what, what freaked me out about that part where he's talking about is like how many people, a thousand people that have jumped off that bridge and how many of them regretted it instantly. And like, didn't have the opportunity to to walk it back like he did so that that documentary was crazy and it 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 made me think twice about that bridge like just driving over the bridge and i've done it since 
but it was it was nuts. And it's a it's a sightseeing attraction, you know. But yeah. I forget a lot of those places have uh, really tragic backstories. But you explaining that story of the young man who survived reminds me of a. I, I don't know it off uh, the top of my head uh, if it was a poem or a story, but there was, uh, I believe it was a poem called The View from Halfway Down, which specifically focuses on the perspective of somebody who is leaping to their death yeah. and the view from halfway down between where they leap and where they land is that realization where, you know, you have that moment of calm and that moment of awareness where you're like, oh, I don't, nope, I don't want this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's crazy. And it's, I recommend you watch it once but that's it. It's not Just a movie once. you revisit. It's not a documentary you revisit a bunch of times. No. It's not like Supersize Me. Oh, yeah. Well, I, go, I go watch that one. There's, that one's fascinating. I'll watch that. <laughs> I like that one. Um, the Bridge. Okay. That's a rough one. Um, I don't know. Now, my next one is also a documentary, but I think just so it doesn't wind up being super sad, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I'll save my documentary for my last yeah. pick. Um, this is one that you said was surprising to you. I mentioned at the top, introducing the topic, that um, a one and done doesn't necessarily have to be something that causes stress, panic, anxiety, triggers any sort of traumatic responses or anything that necessarily sticks with you. Because um, as you mentioned, it's really easy to say, oh, that movie was horrible. I never, yeah. Of course, yeah. there's plenty of movies that are one and done as far as uh, you know, just being complete and utter dog shit. Uh, this is one that was huge gargantuan movie when it released i saw it in theaters i'm sure you did too millions of people did the real d 3d glasses it was perfectly fine for what it was i had a great time watching it in theaters i have never watched it again since have had no interest in rewatching it again since especially funny we're recording this episode now when the trailer for the sequel just dropped yeah i am talking about the blue people i'm talking about avatar perfectly fine movie Respect James Cameron for who he is, has directed some of my favorite action movies. I mean, talk about Terminator 2, talk about Aliens, um, excellent movies, great filmmaker. I don't have, why do I need to watch it again? If I'm going to watch it again, I want to watch it the way it was supposed yeah. to be watched with the, the glasses on the IMAX screen. Yeah. You watch it at home. And again, just like with Twister where it's like, ah, oh, you know, it just doesn't have the same effect. Um, but again, huge, huge movie massive movie wasn't it like the highest earning aside from titanic again james cameron it was yeah. one of the most you know i don't have the numbers pulled up in front of me but yeah it was a huge movie everybody was talking about it and then it wasn't in theaters anymore and the only time people were talking about it was when they were talking about the six or seven or eight sequels that they've been working on since yeah. it released it's it's been like what 13 years i was we were in high school yeah. i think it was 2009 i believe so it's been yeah yes Chew on that for a second. Yeah, and it was it was a movie to be watched. It's kind of like what you said in Twisted, which when you brought up Twisted, I was like, oh, I wish I could watch it in IMAX. Like that would be fucking crazy. Yeah. But no, Avatar was one of those movies where I watched it. I think I watched it in theaters as well with my friends, and then I went. One of my buddies got it on DVD, and we watched it at his house, which he had like a pretty pretty okay setup. Good setup, yeah. And it was a great movie to watch, but at the same time, you're like, it's you were right. That That is one of those movies where it's like, it wasn't a one and done for me, but it was like, ah, there, it loses something, you know? Like, yeah. it does. The magic. Yeah, it kind of loses magic, something. Yeah. Also, I mentioned it in one of our, I think in our first episode, 
I think like less than a year later, Inception came out. People mm-hmm. completely forgot about Avatar. Yeah. And Inception was a new thing. Yeah. Which absolutely. was again, and that's the difference between one and done, like epic movies. Um Inception, you could watch it because it was a movie. It wasn't just all about the grandness of the movie that Avatar was. You had to pay attention, you had to watch the characters. That character development was very real, like the psychology behind the movie and like all the science, all the, the pseudoscience science or whatever. Yeah, because um, Avatar is a very straightforward, you know, I yeah, remember people Pope referring Honest. or or yeah, Dances with Wolves. Like it's yeah, it's kind yeah. of that standard, you know, it's a story that's been told before. Um, but I do like all the world building, you know, it, again, it was a, a nice movie to look at. It was a lot of fun to go on the adventure and, and you know, other people listening will be like, no, it's a good movie, man. I got it on DVD or I got it on Blu-ray and it's great. And I rewatched it last weekend. Like, good for you. I'm excited that you're yeah. enjoying it. But it is a I've good just movie. never felt, yeah, outside of seeing it in the, what I perceive to be ideal, optimal, the way that the director and the filmmakers wanted you to see it, got no interest in revisiting it. Um, it's funny because I've heard these, this topic brought up about movie theaters, how after the pandemic movie theaters are changing and like whether it's going to be an experience that people still want. And I feel like those movies will be like reoccurring in movie theaters. Like if you could give people that experience again, those will be the types of movies that you watch. Yeah. It's almost like, like the Avengers, like, Avengers is great, but it'll never be better than when you watch it in theaters. And I suspect that's why we see so few of the major comedy movies anymore. You know, what was the last big major comedy movie that you remember being like a, a movie theater a phenomenon? It had to be The Hangover, right? Oh, yeah. It was huge. It was huge. They made three movies. Everybody saw it opening weekend. Wow. That was a Before that, what? Maybe Super Bad? I remember that being big. It was 2008, you know, comedy yeah. movies, just, they don't, they don't have the same pool. So yeah, I think what you're kind of brushing upon there is like, I see value in visiting a movie theater to see a big action movie, to see a Marvel movie, to see an avatar, to see, um, you know, Harry Potter, Batman, or Batman exactly. Uh, I think twice, unless I'm catching, catching it as a matinee, I'm probably not going to go see something like, um, you know, yeah, like a comedy. I find, you know, as much as I enjoy them, I'm like, yeah, I could probably wait, you know, I don't, I don't need to free up an afternoon. I can wait till it comes to DVD or something. At that point, it's about the movie. It's about the theater. Like, I'm, I like, I love going to the theaters. So I love experience that. Like, I went to go see, like, Jojo's Rabbit. And I remember watching, um, there used to be, we live here in San Diego. So in La Foya, near U, uh, UCSD, there was a kind of like an alt theater. And it showed all those indie films. So there's the one up the road too, the Ken. Okay, there yeah. you go. And there's still a couple of them around the city, but and I love those movie theaters. And I, I'm gonna be honest, I love the experience more than anything. But we went to go see Perks of Being a Wallflower, and it's like that's not a movie theater movie. Right. It's a movie on the couch. It's like a Netflix and chill kind of movie almost. Yeah. But um. I mean, not that movie specifically, because it's kind of yeah. Weird. I was gonna, <laughs> <laughs> we were gonna, I was gonna let that breeze by, but uh, I don't know what kind of Netflix yeah, and chilling you're doing. Yeah, but, but God, uh, I am depressed, baby. Baby, we turn turn the lights down. Yeah, exactly. But no, set no, the mood. It is one of those. I, I get what you're saying about like Avatar. It's one of those movies that has to be seen mm-hmm. in theaters. Um, it never, it's never as good. Yeah, yeah, and it's never gonna be as good. No, so. Good pick. Surprising pick, to be honest. Gotta keep you on your toes. Um, 
a lot of my movies were super depressing, and this one will not be any better. Um, you know, I haven't seen it. You have Does it have a happy it. ending at least? Does it have one of those hopeful endings? It's just yeah, a tin- it's, okay. a, it's a hopeful ending. It's a rough ride, and then yeah. at the end, it's kind of just got a little tinge of hope, a little twinkle. I don't remember when the movie came out. I think it came out 2010. Well, tell us what it is first. What do we got? It is um, Beautiful Boy. Ah, Beautiful Boy. Yeah. And, and it's and it's depressing? It sounds so Yeah, with Steve Carell. Steve Carell is the main actor in the movie. Steve, a Beautiful Boy starring Steve Carell. This sounds like a comedy where he <laughs> where he's like... A, a grown man. No. He's a boy trapped inside of a grown man, and he learns how to, like... <laughs> I know, and I can't remember the son's name. He just came out in Dune. Oh, uh, Timothy Chalamet, right? Yes, yeah. and he, he comes was out the... as the son. Okay. And it is the most... Oh, he's the beautiful boy. Okay, yeah, a lot of listeners will boy. agree. Yes, he is the beautiful boy. Very beautiful. I don't, I don't quite see the appeal, but if you, you know... Oh, he's a genius. If you like that kind of guy, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but he... Like, Beautiful boy. The movie not to come out in seven months. Yeah. Um, no, you can spoil it. I'm not upset. Alright, so <laughs> we are. The movie is about Steve Crow is the father. And his son is a heroin addict. Hmm. And this he's a kid. He's like at one. Well, he's a boy. He's a boy. I think he's like sixteen or seventeen. And he's going through they live in the Bay Area or they live near the Bay Area. And he's going through like this horrible. You just, you just have to stop watching movies set in San Francisco. I think. It's oh, just... dude, I love, and that's the thing. I love that city so much. It, I, I love how that... miserable it makes me, man. Oh, it's weird, but yeah, it is kind of depressing. I Good like Chinese it, food, though, dude. People talk about yeah. Seattle, but I think San Francisco is really up there. It's a dark, yeah. Yeah. Considering crazy. what's happening right now, yeah, it's a dark, dark city. So yeah. I interrupted. Oh, I'm sorry. So he's going through rehab. Yeah, he's like in and out of rehab in the movie. He's in and out of these programs. You see at one point where because it's his son and he's trying to like save his son, and then he does what like a lot of parents have to realize, um, which I can't remember the movie's name, but Leonardo DiCaprio did it first. Basketball Diaries, where he he plays a drug addict. Yeah, yeah, his mom does it first, but it's that no, I'm not helping you anymore. You're on your own, Mm. and it's like, what do you mean? No, you have to leave, and you're on your own, and it's like you can't poison the family anymore. Like you, you're poisoning yourself. And you're poisoning us. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a, again, spoiler alert, but there's a scene where he's got this girlfriend. And she's like this sweet girl that he kind of, they're in it together, but he kind of is the instigator of drug use. And there's this one particular scene where they're in, they're like living out of his car or their car. And she ODs. And it, it like cuts to they're doing drugs and then like it goes away for a little bit and then it cuts back to them and he's giving her CPR in the car and you're like fucking freaking out and you're like this guy just killed her he's ruining his life like this is the point every point and there's so many points in that movie where he's gonna ruin his life forever and he kind of comes back from it mm-hmm. and a lot of times his dad saves him well that's wild because like a lot of people can probably <laughs> Uh, you know, relate to that, but yeah. I knew people in high school, like friends who were the same way. Like, yeah. Always fucking something up, dude. And then they get it back together, and then like they yeah. drop out of school for a while, and then they disappear for a few months. You're like, whatever happened? Fuck, whatever happened to yeah. Stevie or Joey or whoever, you know? And then they come back, and you're like, oh man, we didn't hear from you, you know? And then they're doing okay, they're doing okay, they're back yeah. in school, and then they're gone again. But and then somehow they always wind up at graduation. You don't see them again until. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. this guy, it's such a quick progression, and it's like, 
it ends with him, the, the girlfriend lives, you know, and he like ditches her in the hospital. Like she's like, stay with me. And he's like, oh yeah, I'll be back. And he just fucking leaves and never comes back. His, his, uh, side point to that though, but a lot of movies and TV shows will, will make you think that ODing is an instant death sentence. It's not. If you get attention quickly enough, yeah. most overdoses. No, and survive. he did the right, he was giving her CPR and like, you know, he kept her alive. Um, so that, I mean, that not palpable, heroic, you know, but like that yeah. scene describes like a really, a real palpable fear, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's, and that it's cause he's a kid and you're just like, Fuck. and I'm, I can't remember what year the movie was in, whether it was 2018 or 2019, but I was, I was, I think it was in, I think we saw it in 2019 and I think Ashley, my wife was pregnant already. So it was that idea of like. Oh, did you guys know you were having a girl at that point, though? Not a girl. I I knew we knew she was pregnant. We knew almost immediately that can, it was going to be a girl, though. Yeah. Like we had like this weird feeling, and the doctors were like, "Oh yeah, it looks like it's going to be a girl." Like, how the fuck can you tell six weeks? But um, the idea of like your kids, like that's gotta like I was talking to my parents about this. It's fucking terrifying to have kids. Like you you never feel as much love, but you never feel as much fear. And it's like it's very me and Ashley like. Keep going, yeah. Shit. We're we're yeah. We're thinking about kids, but it's you're really so uh, real. Yeah. No, no, but it's like this real feeling of like you love your kids so much, but you're never gonna control them. Mm. And it's like I, I was just thinking about addiction runs in my family like really heavy, so it's like fuck, dude. I does it skip a generation? Like, what the fuck's gonna happen? And it's like you can't do anything about it. And you gotta be the one to break the cycle. Yeah, yeah, and at the end, his dad is like he goes through like an ODing event in like a bathroom at like a restaurant or bar i forgot what it was and they find him in the bathroom and like steve carell gets the call and you think it's the call like yeah. that's it he died he killed himself but instead he's like at the hospital crying and it's like no we're gonna we're gonna get through this we'll figure it out and it's just like Fuck. that's the tinge of hopefulness here yeah. but i watched it once and i was like i don't that's need it. to watch that movie again you don't want to revisit any of those no, no. Yeah. that's again a lot of the movies that i picked give you like this real feeling of anxiety and i'm like i don't want to that's too real for me saw wasn't real it was just gross but the right, other ones right. were like very real yeah like relatable feelings yeah feelings you either even if you that you either live through an experience yourself or at least have a familiarity with enough to say this is something that i know other people or people who are close to me have lived through or have experienced and it's still got that kind of second degree of realism to you yeah um yeah good pick good pick um, so my next one, we're going back to documentaries. Like I said, I didn't want to bring us down too, too, too low. Yeah, no, we're bring going up a little bit. We went with the blue people, came back down a little bit with the heroin, but, uh, another documentary, it is one of those unique ones though, where I can't relate to the story, no. but I can relate to the feelings, the feelings of loss, of grief, of tragedy, and holy shit, this is a ride. Um, you watched it with my wife first. And yeah. then I watched it with her a couple of years later. Yeah, that sounds weird. I watched it with your wife and my wife. Like, no, we were you, guys, all yeah. <laughs> like, you guys are just hanging out. You're like, hey, can we want to come over and have a movie night? I'm like, yeah. it's a perfect movie. We're going to pop on Dear Zachary. They wanted to watch it, and I was there. Let, let's <laughs> not forget I was third wheeling for like five years before you showed up. Yeah. Well, to oh. their credit, um, it is a perfect, and I hate to use that kind of word to describe a movie with such dark and depressing material yeah. but it's a perfect cry movie like if you feel like you need a good cry and you haven't seen dear zachary you got i think it's on amazon prime right now as we're recording you have to watch it yeah it is again i went into it knowing nothing my wife shan she had already seen it 
Um, so she puts it on. And to summarize the movie, it's a, a filmmaker who decides to memorialize his friend who was murdered. Um, he decides to memorialize his friend when it turns out that the deceased friend's ex-girlfriend or ex-fiance is pregnant. So a piece of him is still going to live on in this child. Mm -hmm. The filmmaker friend says, hey, your father was loved. And th this is what's insane about how, like, extrapolate this one piece of information about this man. He was so beloved that he was the best man in, like, 16 weddings. I don't even think I've been to 16 weddings in my life. This guy was the best man in no less than, like, 15, 16. The dad, right? The father. Yeah. Yes, the father of whom the, the documentary is focused on. Universally loved. Yeah. Could, like, couldn't have been a nicer guy. Everyone that they got to interview uh, and, and speak on his, you know, speak about him in the documentary had nothing but great things to say about this. The guy who would quite literally, you know, that phrase, he'd give you the shirt off your back. Yeah. And this was the guy. <laughs> They're like, yeah, that, that guy gave me his shirt off his back. You know, that's crazy. It makes the whole, the whole documentary sad. It's insane, though, because it's paced so incredibly well. So mm -hmm. for anybody who hasn't seen it, for who, those who are unfamiliar... The father is murdered by the ex-girlfriend. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. She was Canadian, and I believe they lived in, like, upstate New York, right? They were somewhere close to the Canadian border. They were they were in the States. I think everything happened in Nova Scotia. They went to school together. Yeah. And they met at school in college, and um, they started a romance. She got pregnant. He didn't know this at the time. He wanted to split up with her. She murdered him. Yeah. And Canada would not extradite her back to the States to be, to be charged, to be, you know, to face the actions of her crimes. Yes. So during this whole bit where his parents, you know, obviously distraught with grief of losing their son, all the friends, all the people who this man influenced in his life. Yeah. Shocking crime. And then to find out that Canada would not extradite her back to the States to be charged. Come to find out she's pregnant. Now the grandparents have kind of new, you know, obviously the grief kind of takes a backseat, which is, you know, a fucked up thing to say. But sometimes that happens when you have a new uh, um, kind of challenge to overcome, a new like obstacle. Like you said, a piece of him. Yeah, they a have a goal. That that's, that's the, and they do have, you know, that's the mother. That would be the mother, but they are also the grandparents. So they are fighting for custody or partial rights or anything like that. So yeah. obviously the parents very firmly believe that this woman was responsible for the murder of their son. Now they're going to have custody of their grandchild. You know, so it follows this whole bit about, you know, the first half of the movie is the murder trial or the attempted trial, all the charges and them grandparents trying to get custody of the grandchild. And it's it's rough, man, because you can see there's it's interspliced with all these bits of them visiting him pictures like they truly, truly loved. Like it's yeah. like that love you describe. They truly love this child. And the worst possible thing. I couldn't even picture that this was how the, yeah. how the story was going to end. The mother was not well. She was not a well woman. You know, uh, she winds up having, you know, a new boyfriend. She gets in a new relationship. Things go sour. Things go south very quickly. She's got the child now. He is, can you remember, maybe about two? He's not quite, he's, you know, maybe one yeah, and a, a half, two. He's baby, baby. Yeah. yeah. He's not quite walking around himself yet, but he's almost there. And, um... She is going to the, the now ex-boyfriend's house. He dumped her. She's stalking, yeah. harassing, crazy about it. She does one last attempt to kind of get his attention. She drives to his house. He won't answer. He won't pay attention to her. So that's it. 
she has total snap from reality, from whatever. I, you know, I can't speak on her behalf. But again, this is a true story. She drives over to the sea and she drowns her herself and the baby. Yeah, she jumps off a cliff. And the way that they and I'm getting good, I'm actually getting goosebumps. Yeah. The way that they introduce that information into the into the documentary is it's all following beat by beat her actions. She gets the baby. They get in the car. She drives to the boyfriend's house. She does whatever else she does. Yeah. She knocks on the door. She calls, 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 calls. No answer, no answer. And then she drives the, and even when you're hearing about, she drives to the pier or she drives to the, you know, the, the sea. She gets out of the car. They take you, and it's excruciating. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay, what, what, why? You know, she goes to the pier. She has the baby on, in the baby Bjorn strapped to her chest. Yeah. And she jumps in. I think she also takes some pills. Yeah. 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 I think she did something where she tried to make it look like the, the, the newer ex-boyfriend, the one she was harassing, yeah. was somehow involved. Yeah. It was, it was just complete, just takes, again, all the breath out of your body. Gave me chills just revisiting yeah. it with you right now, but and, yeah. And a big part that really gets you is the guy narrating the way he brings it up, and he's like, and he starts crying. He's narrating the movie, and he's crying, and he's like, "You'll never see this as well because your yeah. your mom killed you." And it takes like, yeah. What the fuck? And you're just like, wait a minute, what? Yep. And it's it's devastating. And the grandparents, that grandfather tells a story. Do you remember when he's talking afterwards and he's like, I wish, he goes, I thought about going to her house and killing mm-hmm. her and not saying anything to the grandmother so that she wasn't an accomplice. He goes, I, I should have done it. Yeah. He goes, I it's it's so incredibly powerful. And it's something that, um, that was really unique in the way that they framed the story that yeah. what you describe where all of a sudden now the narrator is talking and addressing the deceased baby. It has that switch, yeah. that immediate seamless switch from, you know, present tense to past tense. Because there's no happy ending. No, but it, it, I think it has a little bit of a happy ending in that it's not happy, but it's, it's remarkable how they then switch back to, interviews of all the people they had already spoken to about the father mm-hmm. now addressing the baby whom I don't think any of them had ever met because again, the baby was living in Canada with the mother. Well, didn't, didn't the grandparents move to Canada? I think like they that? moved super close to the border to be with yeah, him. Yeah. Cause like, they did everything they could, I think within their legal rights, but um, all the folks that they had already interviewed who had all these glowing things to say about the father are now saying all those same things about this child, this baby whom they had never yeah. met, but know that like, you came from this man who you surely, you know, had inherited his love and his, you know, charm and his yeah. charisma and his energy and just just takes all the breath out of you, man. It's a powerful movie. Yeah. Documentary, excuse me. I remember seeing it. My wife has seen it multiple times, so it's kind of one and done for her. She and I don't really know likes why. torturing herself. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about that documentary that she's like, no, I have to watch it. But I, I also think it's kind of like, a, especially having a child now, it's like a remembrance of that baby. It's like, oh, like, just so we can remember this kid. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, it's hard. It's hard to watch. And, and you, like you said, like, the way the movie starts off, or the documentary starts off, you think he's going to have the kid at the end. You think they're going to have the kid at the end. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry to say, but like, and he's choked up and He's full blown crying. Like, You'll never know. You'll never know the story because you're yeah, you're, dead, you're too. dead too. And it's yeah. like what the fuck. Yeah. And it's like he couldn't like that kid never knew that. It's 
terrible to say, but at least you didn't like this. Hopefully this baby didn't suffer yeah. long or like that thing happens. And the fact that this guy was able to document that for me, it was it's very powerful. That was almost on my list too. Like it's one of those things where it's like, fuck, that's just a rough watch. Yeah. But since I've watched it multiple times, I couldn't put it on my one and done. Right. I've been forced to watch it, people. I yeah. have been. Um, well, we're going to round out the picks. Uh, you mentioned that you almost put Dear Zachary on your list. This is one that we actually both unintentionally added to our list. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to see because we haven't discussed it prior. We're just going to dive in and I want to see why it's on your list. And I'm sure you're anticipating why it's on my list. But um, Uncut Jams. Yeah, Adam Sandler. Fucking hell. Great movie. So I want to preface it by saying I really enjoyed the Safdie Brothers' first movie, Good Time. Have you seen it? No. So first of all, watch it. If anybody who's listening haven't hasn't watched it, um, I'm I'm you know I'm a huge fan of crime movies. I love heists. I love robberies. I love petty crime. Just anything that's like seedy, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And I really love Robert Pattinson. Like I think that he's my favorite, like working actor right now. I just love to look at his trajectory. Okay. You know, being that you know Twilight. I just love how really he keeps it. He's like, yeah, I did Twilight for the exposure. And now I can get all these other roles, you know. He did that 9-11 movie. Yeah, like he's been in some, and he's he's really, and now we've seen Batman. Like he's really shown his growth as far as like being a very, um, you know, the leading man of this kind of cheesy team team bop movie, you know, you know, romance flick or whatever to the gritty indie movies. And then some of the bigger movies that are a little bit more maybe generalized like um, water for elephants. If you've not seen that with Reese Witherspoon and Christoph Waltz is, is really, really good based on a book. I won't go into details on that one, but he's just impressed me all the time. Well, he just did that movie. The, the one where they're at the, the lighthouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, so I love that one. So that's a crazy movie. Um, but yeah, so that was their first movie. Uh, good time. So uncut gems, you can see, you know, I thought it was a tight story and you can see so much of the style that they, introduced in good time and it's just a natural progression into uncut gems like holy shit what an anxiety attack yeah i think i white knuckled through the whole runtime i just squeeze in my fist like yo when yeah. is the pressure going to give <laughs> and that's the thing that was it was non-stop constant pressure constant anxiety constant fear and he just does it all to himself yep. every yep. step of the way and it's like he knows what he's doing and it's the addict, and it's the fucking the rush, and yeah, you feel absolutely. the rush, that adrenaline. Yeah. There's a there's a comic I like very much, and his his name's uh Joey Joey Diaz, and um he's from New York and lived in Newark for a long time and grew up in Jersey and stuff like that. Like I think when he was like four or five, he moved to Jersey. He was an immigrant to from Cuba to New York and then moved to Jersey, and he was into gambling. And his mom used to run numbers out of a bar. <laughs> And like had this whole operation and shit. Yeah, Coco's got a crazy story. Yeah, and I he talks about he's like that fucking movie. He goes, that was me from nineteen to twenty. He's like, I thought a movie that was a documentary. Yeah, and it it's one of those movies where like addicts are like, oh yeah, no, dude. Like my grandfather was a huge gambling addict, rest in peace. But he was, and he knew it. He's like, you don't understand because you don't have it. And I do. I love. Man, I worked at a sports bar for a while, and I was betting every football game and when basketball season came around every basketball game mm. and when baseball season came around not every baseball game because there's fucking a lot but yeah. i was betting so much my wife was like you gotta stop this shit 
she goes, you're winning, but you're losing. And then you're like using your winnings to bet on games you're going to lose. And then you don't win anything. And I'm like, I wasn't dealing in tens of thousands, but I was, you know. You put 200 down, you win 20, and you think you're ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. And you're just like, fuck it. Let me put another 220 down on this next game. And even that was a lot for me. But I was betting. Like if there was three, like on a Sunday, I would bet on every game. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I I lost lost a couple of the games. And it's like, fuck, I got to win these next couple games just to even it out. And you would tell one of the guys, like, one of the cooks to the other cook, it's like, hey, man, go collect my money from him. I, I beat him. You collect your money there. It's like, what the fuck are you talking Just collect your money from him. Yeah. And I'd be like, yo, you got to pay him. Dog. And I was like, oh, shit. And so, and the ending. Yeah. For, for I mean, let's circle back for one quick second, though. For anybody who hasn't seen it yet, it's a it's a recent movie. Most people yeah. listening probably aren't familiar with it. But uh, incredible performance by Adam Sandler, who, you know, has done – plenty of dramatic roles at this point in his career, but really just blew me away, stepped it up big time in this performance. He is a jeweler, gambler in uh, in New York, winds up coming across a very interesting, what is it, a jewel, a stone? I don't know if it's exactly, I guess it could be a gem. I think it's a diamond. But it's, yeah. I think it's like this, this cluster of gems, it's just diamonds. A, uh, yeah, it's just a yeah big cluster. And who was the... I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember who the um, basketball star is who he's trying to like woo into buying this. Oh, we're gonna get we're gonna that. get we're gonna get an angry email. Anyway, um, a famous basketball player winds Fits up coming Celtics. into yep winds up coming into his um, his jewelry shop, and obviously he's loaded. He knows uh, Adam Sandler's character knows that this guy's got money, and he's trying to unload this this diamond on him, and it follows the whole process of him trying to inflate the price of it he winds up trying to auction it off he yeah. just all the ups and downs left and it is again non-stop the pacing is breakneck he lives an absolutely reckless lifestyle he's got wife kids he's got his family he's got his his side piece who also works for him but she's got her own apartment it's every kind of thing that i could think of in my life that i would not want to have all these loose ends not not to say I wouldn't want to have a, a wife and kids, but that is it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have you gotta deal with a mortgage on the house, you gotta deal with the mortgage on the girlfriend's apartment, you gotta yeah. deal with the drama from her, you gotta deal with the kids at soccer practice. Oh, and by the way, you're millions of dollars in debt and everything's riding on this basketball game. I don't know, man. Well, it's it's Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett. Yeah, he's playing in New York. And the crazy thing is is that um yeah, he's got the wife. They're separating. He's got the apartment. He's got the girlfriend who works for him. And he's doing... There's a part in the movie where he makes his money back. And instead of paying off his debt, he looks at Kevin Garnett. He goes, I believe in you so much. This is what I do for a living. This is my life. And he takes that money and he, like, puts it... In, he goes out the, the window. Yeah, everything. It's, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yep. And he's he like, could have he I could have solved every problem right in, there in like yep. that, yep. but he, because of his addiction, and he tells Kevin Kevin Garnett, he's like, "I believe in you so much." And then his girlfriend takes it to a casino where he bets the money, and, and, it, and he wins. Yep, it winds up working out for him, but but he doesn't he doesn't win. He doesn't win. Yeah, he winds up getting murdered. Yeah, murdered. So yeah, incredible movie. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm ready to revisit it. Like I said, I loved Good Time. I liked Uncut Gems. I'm really excited to see what the Safety brothers wind up doing next. 
Um, and Adam Sandler really blew me away with his performance. And Kevin Garnett has some chops, man. He really stood his own. Yeah, because at one point I in the think, movie, um, he gets upset. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing here, man? Yeah. What's going on? Oh, because at first, he lets, the, he lets Kevin Garnett hold the gem. But as collateral, he takes his ring, his championship ring. And then he pawns the championship ring. And it's like, yo, what the fuck yeah. are you doing, dude? But see, he knows, Adam Sandler knows, his character knows something about that salesmanship one-on-one. You yeah. let the customer manipulate. You can touch it, play with it. That's why when you go to the toy store, it says, try here, press here. Yeah. You know, they know. You're more likely to buy it if you can hold it and picture it yeah. in your house. Um, uncut jams. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps it up for ones and duns. Ones and duns? One and duns? One and duns. Onesie and dunsie. Um, this was a lot of fun. It's just so interesting to me, like I said, the essential clicks, the comfort clicks. How does a movie make your list? What is it about your life? Yeah. Where you were? You know, how old were you? Where you watched it? And that made this, this impression on you. Um... Yeah, well, thank you for listening. As always, if you enjoyed what you heard and you want to keep up on what PGF is up to, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at PGFPod. That's right. We'll make a TikTok. You can catch clips of some of our favorite episodes there. Uh, you can also reach out to us at PGFPod at, PGFPod at gmail.com. Uh, let us know that we're dopes or forgetting Kevin Garnett. You know, what are you going to do? Um, and if you are following us on your podcast platform of choice, please consider leaving a review. Uh, you know, it helps us reach a wider audience and it's great to know what you're enjoying about the show or maybe what we can do better. We're not, uh, you know, we don't have too thin skin here. We know putting this out, people are going to have things to say. So we want to hear it. Bring it on. Yeah, it's really exciting. We'll see what's up. Um, join us for our next episode, though. We're going to discuss which movies we think define a decade. We're really excited about that. This is a topic that uh, both our wives really like. I think we're fans of these movies as well. We might uh, even just take a back seat and let them talk for an hour. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring them in. We'll yeah. bring in. We'll, we'll see who see. comes in. Uh, well, put on your leg warmers. Grab your keytar. We're going back to the 80s. Thanks, everyone. All right. Take care. Peace out.